work. This evening's service is about uh, the judgment of God. Um, we don't have any frames because I was up late last night uh, preparing this and finishing it off. So we don't have any frames, but I don't have too many uh, different places for us to go. Uh, the first one after I do the introduction is going to be uh, Revelation chapter 20. If you want to go there now while I do the um, introduction to my sermon, and then uh, we'll read through that. And then there are only a couple of other uh, verses of Scripture, which I'll give you time to get to. So that's um, Revelation chapter 20 while I do the introduction. Did you ever hear this? Hey, don't judge me. Did you ever say that? <clears throat> I, have be I have before, I'll confess. Hey, don't judge me, man. I always put a man after it because I'm feeling convicted. Basically, <clears throat> I'm feeling like, wow, you're calling me out. So I'll just go, hey, don't judge me. We all have heard of Judgment Day. Uh, there have been books and movies that give the impression that when that day comes, the entire world will be judged all at once by a single cataclysmic event. But people also judge each other all the time. They judge people by the clothes that they wear or by the color of their skin or by their weight or by what's considered to be normal Judges in a courtroom are tasked with judging individuals for their crimes and sentencing those individuals that are convicted. They hand down a sentence based on the severity of their offense, and they must serve time in jail or prison or perhaps pay a fine or do some type of community service. However, there is a great white throne of judgment where God will hand down judgment to non-believers and to those who oppose God. God's judgment is supreme and undeniable. The great white throne of judgment. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation chapter 20. Where it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed 
uh, the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face and the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Uh, like I said, I'm going to give you a chance to turn to this one. This is the book of Psalms, chapter 28, verses 4 and 5. That's the book of Psalms, chapter 28, verses 4 and 5. <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, we didn't have any frames, but like I said, there's only one more scripture after this, and then um, the rest is what I've prepared. So in Psalms chapter 28, verses 4 and 5, the Bible states, Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render them their desert, because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. <clears throat> now you'll notice the meaning and the pronunciation of the word desert is pronounced like the treat after a meal, but the re but the meaning refers to desert or abandon a person in a way considered disloyal. Next, turn to the book of Romans chapter 2 and verse 6. That's Romans chapter 2 and verse 6. And this, um, this scripture is a very similar to what we just read in Psalms 28. Romans chapter 2, verse 6 reads, Who will tent render every man according to his deeds? Over 600 times, yes, that's 600 times in the Bible, the Bible talks about judgment. I think about the different judgments in the Bible. Uh, think about Adam and Eve. They were judged Noah <clears throat> and the judgment of the flood, the Tower of Babel, another judgment act of God. Then we think about Egypt, the, e the Egyptians as they were judged. And obviously the ultimate was when Jesus took the judgment for our sins on the cross. He was buried and because he was holy and righteous in death, could not or righteous Excuse me. Because he was holy and righteous, death could not hold him down. He rose again, and now we're facing some more judgments. I didn't mean to say that to depress you. I said it to put your wind in your sails. There will be several more judgments, and two of them I want to talk about. Everyone, everyone hearing my voice, everyone on the planet, everyone who has ever lived will be judged. Yeah. 
No, Now, judgment is not a sexy topic. You won't hear very many worship songs about God is going to judge me or I can't wait for the judgment. No, you're not going to hear that. We are going to we are, though, going to be judged. There will be a time of accounting. The first is the judgment for those who don't know Christ personally. The judgment of the great white throne. The judgment of the great white throne is for unbelievers who must give an account for their works alone. It is going to happen. We're moving toward this, and you can see the corresponding scripture, Revelation 20:11, as was read earlier. Then I saw the great throne and him who was seated on it. It talks about the books were opened, the Lamb's book of life. <clears throat> you are either in the book or you're not. And if you are not, all of these people are going to be the unbelievers. You'll spend eternity in hell. Well, heaven will be a place of burning of fire, but the last part of Revelation in 2014 says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Born once, die twice. Born twice, you die once. And will be judged those who don't know Christ. All thoughts, words, and actions will be judged against God's perfect standard. No one can make it based on works. No one because we are all sinners. We believe that the Bible teaches that when a believer dies, they go to be with the Lord. As Paul the Apostle said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. As Jesus told the thief on the cross who believed, Today you will be with me in paradise. Many other passages bring us back to the simple thought that believers go immediately to the presence of the Lord when they die. It is difficult trying to sort out things chronologically when it comes to the age to come. But from every indication we have, the ultimate judgment of God, what we sometimes call the great white throne judgment from Revelation 2011, happens later at some time in eternity or the future. Here's what was read in Revelation 2011. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose faith face heaven and earth fled away and there was found no place for them. We see the mention of a great white throne, a great a throne that is great in its status, great in its power and great in its authority. It is white in its purity and holiness, and it is, of course, a throne. It is a place where a king reigns in divine sovereignty. Continuing on here into verse 12, it says this, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. That describes a great and comprehensive judgment. It speaks of judging the living and the dead. It speaks of everybody being judged. Later on, it's going to speak even of those from the sea. It presents it in terms that indicate for us a very comprehensive judgment. However, many, if not most, Bible scholars believe that Christians never appear before this great white throne. 
It is, it isn't because we can hide from the great white throne. Nobody can hide from the throne of God's judgment. But the idea is this, is that we are spared from this awesome throne of judgment because our sins were already judged in Jesus on the cross. We don't escape the judgment of God. We satisfy the judgment of God in Christ Jesus. Every Christian has a judgment day in at least two senses. First of all, it's the day their sins were judged. For those who reject Jesus, those who are headed for eternity apart from God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that happens at the great white throne judgment. But there's another sense in which for Christians, their day of judgment was already at the cross. That's when their sins were judged. My sins as a believer in Jesus Christ and yours as well. If you have put your faith, if you have repented and believed in Jesus Christ, then your sins were judged in Jesus at the cross. Your sins were judged completely. So what sins remain to be judged at the great white throne for you? It's none. Zero. That is, again, for the one who has put their faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, especially his work on the cross. Our judgment day is not the great white throne. Our judgment day is the cross. As <clears throat> it is as if God set this to all of humanity. You can pick your ju judgment day. Repent of your sins. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And your judgment day can be 2,000 years ago at Golgotha where Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. If you refuse to do so, then there is a judgment day awaiting you at the great white throne as Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 12 tell us. That being said, there is a second day of judgment that Christians need to keep in mind. Christians will have to stand before another throne, what we call the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 <clears throat> says uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, either good or bad. When we pass from these bodies to the world beyond and our resurrection bodies, we must each give an account according to what we have done, whether good or bad. That's exactly what Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, At the judgment seat of Christ, what we have done or not done will be judged, but not only that, also our motives for what we have done will be judged. Paul, present, <coughs> excuse me, Paul presented essentially the same idea in 1 Corinthians 3.12, where he spoke of a coming assessment of each one's work before the Lord. In that passage, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul made it clear that what we have done and our motive for doing it will be tested by fire, and the purifying fire of God will burn up everything that was not of him. Please note, the judgment seat of Christ is not punishment for the things we have not done rightly. Instead, the things that we have not done unto God's glory, both in action and in motive, will simply be burned up. 
And it will be as if we've never done those things to begin with, and we will be rewarded for what remains. I think it is a kind of sad uh, thing to consider that there are some people who will get to heaven thinking they have done great things for God, and that they will find out at the judgment seat of Christ when the which is when the purifying fire of the assessment and the judgment of Jesus passes over what they did and their motives for doing it, that all those things will be burnt up and it will be apparent to them that they really did nothing for God, certainly nothing great for him. On this basis, rewards will differ for God's people in the age to come. The question was absolutely correct in that Christians will not appear before the throne of God's judgment, what we call in the Revela- what we call in the Revelation 20, 11 through 12 sense, the great white throne of judgment. However, having been saved, what we do for the cause of Christ, how we live unto his glory, and our motives for doing those things will that will be assessed by Jesus Christ and the things that we have not my papers are sticking together here. And the things that we have not done out of right action and motive will be burned away, and it will be as if they've never existed. Is there a judgment for Christians? Yes, there is a judgment for Christians, the judgment seat of Christ, as mentioned in Second Corinthians and in First Corinthians. But we will not face the great white throne judgment. Our sins were paid for by what Jesus did at the cross. I'm very grateful that God gives humanity a choice as to when their day of judgment will be. I hope you are in agreement with me saying it's much better to put your faith in Jesus Christ in who he is and what he has done, especially what he's done at the cross in the empty tomb. The true Jesus revealed to us by the Bible, it's better to do that and have our judgment day already passed there on that afternoon when Christ was crucified. There will be a time there, or excuse me, there will be a time where we have to show the Lord Jesus and reveal to him what we did with all of these aptitudes, abilities, and gifts and opportunities that he has given us. I think for too many Christians, we're alike, okay, I'm like, I'm a Christian, I've got that get out of hell card, and therefore, I'm good. Well, it should be much more than that. Obviously, we're saved by grace through faith. We then have to work out what the Lord has worked in. God does not zap us to heaven the moment we're saved or the moment we're rescued. We're here for a reason. We should have that thought, that awareness, that responsibility that one day we're going to be held accountable for everything we have ever done. I'm going to have to give an account one day for everything God has given me. Now, the cool thing about this is that we all have unique gifts. You have gifts I don't have. I have gifts you don't have. You've been gifted by the God of the universe. I don't care what people say about you. I don't care what your parents said about you. I don't care what your coach said about you. I don't care what your boss is about. You are gifted by the God of the universe. That's positive. That's some really heavy stuff. So I should take those gifts and use those gifts in an act of worship. I'm going to be judged by how I use the gifts of God given me. For example, I have been asked to speak. 
I'm not necessarily the best speaker out there, but I have been asked by pastor to speak every other Wednesday. It was God working through pastor to let me know of his calling. One day I'm going to be held accountable at the judgment regarding how I stewarded his gift. Did I preach? Did I teach the entire Bible? Or did I just go, "Eh, well, I'll just teach the fun stuff and the positive parts. I'll just try to have this Christian pep rally and that'll be it. But as far as the difficult stuff like pride and anger and lust, I'm just going to stay away from that. I mean, the judgment of God, I'm not really going to hit that. I'll be judged regarding how I use the gifts. Did I teach truth? Did I rightly divide the word of God? Think about your gift. You might have the gift of leadership. You might have the gift of making money. You might have the gift of singing. You might have the gift of organization. Who knows the kind of gifts that you will have or that you have. You want to have the gift of sharing your faith. You will be judged based on the abilities that God has given you. Next, the Bible says in John 16, 8, When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. I like this shirt. Do you like this? I do. It's one of my favorites. And sometimes people ask me, how do you get your collar to stand like this? Well, it's not because it's a great shirt. It's because of these. Are you ready for this? I've told you before. And let me tell you again, it's a little secret. I have these magnets. Well, I have the collar stay. Now, guys, a collar stay, I'll take that out if you can find it. A collar stay helps keep your collars right. If not, guys, you'll be a pterodactyl. You'll just fly away. Before I discovered collar stays, I levitated several times. This works because a magnet is attracted to something like its nature. Now, that's how the rapture will be. Will That's how, in a way, the rapture will take place. We have the nature of Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ inside our lives. When the rapture happens, that's what will happen. One does not have the collar stay and one does. But because, see, I've had that trained on this side. Now look, it's pretty good, doesn't it? Or it looks pretty good, doesn't it? John 16, 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Don't judge us about spelling judgment. There are two ways to spell it. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong in to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin. In other words, what this text is driving at, this is time. God's sense of time is totally different than yours and mine. Think about what's happening right now with Russia and Putin and the Ukraine. Everyone's going insane. China, Congress, and the corrupt FBI, the corrupt CIA, the corrupt IRS. And here we're going to investigate people for corruption. It's the corrupt investigating the corrupt about who's investigating the corrupt. And let's have more corruption and more corruption and more corruption and more corruption. Everything is corrupt. And our country has become more and more corrupt because we have people who are self-centered sinners running the show. And when you have a bunch of self-centered sinners running the show, you're going to have a lot of self-centered sinning going on. We see this movement, wokeism, criticism, 
critical race theory, Marxism, postmodernism, we see us rolling toward the end. Most of us will watch March Madness, uh, March Madness basketball. Everybody, if you're a great player, which I was not, I didn't even play, but if you're going to have one eye on the ball and one on the clock, or you have your eye on the shot clock or the game clock, you may have your eye on your team and your other eye, hopefully, on the hoop. That's what great players do. Players who aren't that good, they focus on the clock and they forget to play or they play <clears throat> so much they don't even think about it. We have to see one eye we have to have one eye on eternity and one eye right here on this earth, this sin-stained earth. And I don't mean <clears throat> at all to try to make you feel bad, but it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And as I've said about the end times, this should encourage us because we win. However, it's easy to see where we're going. So let's talk about the first judgment, the judgment of you and me. I'm talking about Christians. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you've been born again, if you're not, you can count ceiling tiles, or I would encourage you still to listen. For is this is for those of us who are Christians. Two separate judgments. The first one is after the rapture, after the magnet hits the collar stay, and this supernatural snatching, here's what's going to happen. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers, those who have received Jesus Christ. We've made that faith reception. It is for believers who must give an account for their lives in service to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all, there it is again, I have a friend of mine, and his mom always says, we all, whenever there's kind, any kind of family conflict. She goes, we all have problems. I'm going to say this to all of you. We all, I'm talking about Christians, that is. We all, I'm talking about believers, will face judgment. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The picture here in the original language of the Greek games, that guy who would call the shots for the Greek games was stood up and elevated in this elevated box, and he would look at the judge and reward and give crowns out and wreaths out to those who performed the best to the best of their abilities. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one will or may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, good or bad. We're talking about believers here. We must give an account, and we will give an account of everything. This judgment will be so specific, it will make the IRS seem like they're the biggest generalists ever. That's how serious it is going to be. It is going to be about tro trophies and rewards on one hand, so there's going to be triumphs. Yes, there will be some hallelujahs, some woo-hoos, but also, again, this is not popular. This is going there will be some tears from those of us talking about believers who fumbled the ball, who took their eye off the shot clock, who didn't take this life seriously, who just said, you know, I've got that get out of hell card, so everything's cool with me. And let's also talk about rewards. What tro kind of trophies are you going to receive? I don't know. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 13 really breaks it down. It says, for one who, 
For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone, in verse 12, builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work in chapter er, in verse 13 will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Now check this out. Here we go. We're standing there. I'm standing there. You're standing there. Every believer, every single believer is there. You can turn the page now, as many of us will, and just have a pile, some a big pile of wood, hay, and stubble, which just will be in our feet. And the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, will come with this flame, gone, wood, hay, or stubble, the superfluous activities with no spiritual value. What are you chasing? What are you doing? What am I chasing? What am I doing? That's basically just wood, hay, and stubble. How we glorified self and built our kingdom. That's going to go up in flames versus gold, silver, and precious stones. Significant activities with huge spiritual values. How we glorified God and built his church. And that's the only thing that's going to last. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to reflect his attributes in everything we do, say, touch, and feel as an act of worship. The only thing Jesus ever built was the local church. And on, <clears throat> and on how will we be judged? Serving, did we serve? It's not about me. It's my biggest I'm my biggest issue. You're your biggest issue. Serving will be judged based on that. Serving, are you serving others? Are you serving within the context of the church? Are you using your abilities and aptitudes here in this house uh, <clears throat> when it comes to sharing? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus with others? Are you sharing your faith when God gives you opportunity? Are you inviting are you engaging when God gives you an opportunity after you praise those high-risk prayers for others? Are you articulating your faith? Many of us, I believe, in Judgment B, let me skip to it for just a second, many of us will see our co-workers, our neighbors, our family members go to hell, and we will say, man, I had such an opportunity. I was a part of a church that prayed and thought and planned so much about people far away from God, yet I didn't leverage it. I didn't invite them. I didn't engage them. I didn't pray for them. How heavy is that? Some of us here, God has given some of us an ability to make a lot of money. Why? Are you just there to recreate, procreate, do deals and die? That's it? Great. You know how to make money. That's awesome. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. You're blessed. <clears throat> how, are, though, are we leveraging that for eternity? How are we leveraging that when it comes to the bride? Husbands, what if you hung out with your wife or your bride maybe once every six weeks? You didn't see her. You're like, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm too busy. I've got to go on this trip or I've got to go on that trip. I've got to go golfing or I've got to go on a business trip. <clears throat> I'll just see you maybe, I don't know, Christmas and Easter. Well, go ahead and call a divorce lawyers up because that's not going to happen, is it? 
I meet people all the time, especially in my work, who say, yeah, I'm a Christian. We'll talk a little bit. Where do you go to church? They'll name a church. Okay, and tell me the pastor's name. What's, what is the pastor's name? Forgot that name. I'm not the ultimate judge, but if you're not regularly showing your love and support and attendance in church, if you're not honoring and loving the bride of Christ, which is the church, <clears throat> I really have to doubt possibly if you are a true Christian. Are you really saved? I'm not judging you. I'm challenging you to take an inventory of your life. We're going to be judged on this stuff. You're going to be judged on how you used your different abilities. Whether you sing, dance, whatever creativity, whatever you do, and that is for those of us who are believers. You're going to heaven, but you're not going to get and hit the levels because there's a level in heaven that God desires. And instead of triumph during that judgment, there's going to be some tears. Judgment B is the one for those who don't know Christ personally, the judgment of the great white throne. The first is the judgment seat of Jesus. <clears throat> this is after the thousand-year millennium, after the devil has been slam-dunked into the lake of fire. You have the great white throne judgment. The judgment of the great white throne is for unbelievers who must give an account for their works alone. It is going to happen. We're moving toward this, and you can see the corresponding scripture in Revelation 20.11. I saw the great throne <clears throat> and him who was seated upon it. It talks about the books that were opened. The Lamb's heaven will be in the, a place of burning of fire. But the last part of Revelation says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And as I said before, born once, die twice. Born twice, you die once. And will be judged those who don't know Christ. All thoughts, words, and actions will be judged against the Lord's perfect standard. No one can make it based on works. No one, because we are all sinners. <clears throat> That's what I have for you on judgment. It was um, pretty heavy stuff to some of the things that I read. Um, we, I think some people that are Christians and have a faith in Jesus Christ don't think that they're going to face any uh, judgment whatsoever. But we have heard hymns where they say, um, pastor sings one about crowns of glory and uh, crowns of, you probably, crowns of victory. Um, also, there are jewels uh, that will be put in our crowns. Um, these are the various things that we did that I just spoke about, where you went out and you tried to lead people to God. You invited them to your church. <clears throat> I know Jerry said once time, and I'm not calling you out, Jerry, but Jerry said once that he failed at uh, bringing someone to the church. But I don't see it as a failure, Jerry, because you invited him. What the person does with your invitation, that's on them. You tried to lead them to the church where they might find God and they might find salvation. So don't take it upon your, <clears throat> take it too bad or take it to heart if someone you invite doesn't come to church. 
I've invited a few people. I've handed out a few tracks. I know I could do a lot better. I haven't done any door knocking. Jason has done door knocking. He'll receive rewards for that. Uh, Pastor and brother Chuck, James, have done door knocking. They'll receive rewards for that. How you teach and how you preach, whether you teach God's true word from his Bible or not, you will be judged on that. I have a feeling there are going to be a lot of people who are going to say, oh, no, when they realize that they were teaching the wrong things. They were not teaching what is in God's word. They were teaching Allah or they were teaching um, sprinkling babies or whatever it may be that is not uh, false doctrine, if you will, if it's false doctrine. They're going to be responsible for that. They're going to be responsible for leading people astray, for teaching wrong things. And I kind of feel sorry for them, but um, not everybody's going to get into heaven. And those who are going to get into heaven, some will have tears because they will feel that they let God down because they could have done more. I'm sure I'm going to be one of them. I could do more. I'm trying to do my best when I come up here. I'm sure God would like me to do more than just to speak and just to be a faithful uh, church attender. Um, But I am glad that God led me to the gospel. I'm glad he sent Pastor and Chuck to our house. I'm glad he saved my soul from before the beginning of the world. I'm glad for many of his blessings. I'm glad that he gives me many things that I need. He doesn't give me what I want. Many times I pray, let me win the lottery. I want millions of dollars. And yeah, okay, well, he's not going to give you what you want, but I know he does give you what you need. You've all heard me tell about what happened during Hurricane Ian. I needed to be safe in my home. God kept me safe in my home. Uh, Even when we spent three to four hours just outside the worst part of that storm and my house came through it like a champ because I said a slight prayer. God even got my generator running. And like I told you before, it hasn't run since, but it ran every day that I needed it to run during uh, the power outages after Ian. And that's also something that I'm thinking about uh, doing my next sermon on, and that's Jesus print. Uh, I'm sure you know what Jesus print is, but uh, just in case, that is when you have a feeling that God has an active part in your life or that you know that God had a hand in something that happened in your life. Like me with the hurricane, uh, me meeting Tracy. uh, There have been a whole bunch of things that uh, have Jesus print on them. I think that might be what I'm teaching about. I'm going to check that out. Uh, We have kind of a busy week coming up ahead of us. Uh, So we'll see what uh, the Lord leads me to. He always, um, sometimes it's two days before I have to speak, and sometimes it's a week or so, uh, like I had for this sermon. But um, he always does give me something to preach about. Uh, So that's all I have for you. Uh, If you would all stand, if you can, we'll um, have our closing prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Uh, David, would you please lead us in our closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, thanks for this evening. Thanks for uh, each one that's here tonight. Be with the ones that ain't here tonight. You know the reason why. 
get with everybody on that prayer list, you know, the reason why, their needs, and, and think the way you do in our lives, and forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David.